poof, now you see me. Poof, now you don't. You don't know what I'm talking about? Oh, man, you will. You will. First time ever, ever interviewing a magician today, yes. guys. And, I mean, he's more than just that. Of course, he is an actor, writer, producer, making his way behind the camera. Like, this guy is basically everywhere and, and definitely a conversationalist. Oh, without doubt. And... He's a living weapon. Live, literally. Like, like he's a master like. of karate. Like he, he could kill you with his bare hands. Right. Like, I mean, this is one definitely interesting interview and an interesting guy for sure. Definitely, I mean. definitely. We're talking about Rich Manley. Yes. This, this guy right here. This guy right here. If you're watching the YouTube video. Oh, man. We're super excited about it. He's got a new show coming out on Tubi here soon. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We're going to talk more about that in the interview. But now, let's get a little crazy. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, we're on episode 135 this week. It's absolutely insane, man. I I, I, I can't fathom how quick they're going now. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's like that run to 100 was like, and now it's just like, I guess, like, you know. Yeah, I mean, 150 is like right around the corner. Dude. 200, uh, it's insane. It really is. It's insane. It really is. Just stay tuned, guys. Stay tuned. Wait until you hear, well, obviously, today's interview, like we we tease at the top of the show, but then next week's interview, Ooh. oh boy, may or may not be the biggest one we've ever done. That's true. Um, it's and true. best, to be honest with you. I had a whole lot of fun. So, Oh my gosh, yeah. You just, I mean, laughing nonstop, and then it got serious, because you did, know we get, we get in depth. You know we get in depth, but, uh, and some exclusive, yeah, boy. exclusive, it calf exclusive news about a huge show that this person may or may not be on, so, um. Yeah, stay nice. tuned. <laughs> stay tuned till uh, 136. 136 of Inside the Crazy <laughs> the Empire. big Halloween show. Yeah. What? Yeah, man. Maybe, maybe we'll pick up some costumes maybe. for the YouTube video. Maybe. Oh, man. But yes, guys. Yes. So super excited today. You guys know your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mouth. What's up? Oh, guys. There's a lot to talk about. There's some more business stuff to talk about. I always like man. when we deep dive into the business aspect. And yeah. I mean, a lot of stuff broke this week when it comes to Warner Brothers. Quick. Quibi, talking about Quibi again, it's coming back up in the news, so that one's going to be interesting. Seriously, like, there was some good news, some bad news, and a nail in the coffin. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, the, the range of business news is crazy this yeah, week, man. so, I mean, just, you know. It's great. It's great. But you guys know, before we get that thing started, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyentmedia.com. We got shirts, we got hats, we have little buttons. Yes. We have little buttons if you're looking on the YouTube video. We have little buttons. They're teeny tiny. They're Get crazy. Teeny, tiny. They're so good, though. They're so you can good. Put, you can literally put them anywhere. We, you can. Like... We actually sell phone cases now on the website. So <laughs> if you want a phone case, be sure to hit us up, direct message us. We'll send you the link. And man, oh man, your phone can look a little crazy yes uh but uh we're gonna talk about some shady shit at the beginning mm. we're gonna talk about some shady shit i mean we've been talking about this since the case first started and yep. first the allegations and everything like that danny masterson yes finally the judge ruled this week that the rape case against the one and only danny masterson can go forward uh, rejecting a defensive argument that the allegations are too old to prosecute masterson yeah. who is 44 yeah i mean there's no statute on limitations on certain types of attacks yeah and apparently this judge is like nope no fuck no that. You, i'm throwing this one out it's going to trial uh so yeah here's the crazy part y'all 
Like, I mean, you know, it's several different women who have accused him. And if he's convicted on all these charges, okay, uh, three different women over over a period of years, two years, if he's convicted 45 years to life. I mean, 45 to 45 is pretty much life anyway when you're in your late 30s. So, I mean, so 45 to life if he's convicted on all of it. So, mm. yeah, man. I mean, definitely well deserved. We need to see more actions like this happening in the entertainment industry and all over the world when it comes to the Me Too movement because so many allegations come out, but then don't go legally, don't go to the courts. And so, I'm glad this is actually happening and there's going to be a trial because yeah. needs to freaking happen, man. It does. To happen. It does. But yeah, it's actually it's it's really crazy to think about. It's really crazy to think about. And other things that are crazy to think about. Jeff Bridges. I didn't. Yeah. Make, I didn't know this. I didn't. I yeah. didn't see this coming. Dude, the dude. The dude. The dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This is this is sad. Uh but I, I feel like if anybody's got this under control, it's Jeff Bridges, right? It seems like it. He's been diagnosed with lymphoma, guys. And as you guys know, that's a cancer. Yeah. Uh, you know, it attacks the lymph system in the body that fights off diseases. Um, sometimes you need blood transfusions. Uh, you know, um, there's different there's different types. You know, there's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and then mm. you know Hodgkin's lymphoma. So. Um, we're not sure which one he has. I don't think that's been publicly released yet. But um, look, he's taken it, and, and, and he's like, he, he his statement was basically, "I've got the best doctors. We've caught it early. It, you know, I'm gonna do everything I I have to do." And I, I mean, I feel like this is a guy that that, that can get through this. Agreed. Uh, you, you know, so. and he's not letting it slow him down either. No. He's still currently in production for a TV miniseries, The Old Man. Yeah. So I mean, he's definitely not letting it slow it down, and I mean. Uh, most recently in 2018, bad times at the El Royale. Oh, he was but, so badass. In yeah, that too. Like, yeah, like <laughs> honestly, but yeah, I'm. I like to see cases like this. They keep going, and I mean, just accepting their truth. I feel like it becomes more personal when you tell your fans about your truth of what's going on. Absolutely. Of course, everybody respects the privacy of you know, like a Chadwick Boseman who didn't want to say anything. But I don't know. I always like kind of when they let us in on what's going on in their lives so we can kind of understand them a little bit more yeah you know yeah i mean best wishes thoughts are with you and you know we're pulling for a speedy fast recovery and that everything is good so um speaking of something that everybody is wanting speedy but but it doesn't (laughs) appear that it's gonna move at any kind of rapid speed although i guess this is some good news um the state of california has set finally strict guidelines for the reopening of disneyland finally in the in the coming months california's director of health and human services dr mark gailey announced that the theme park will be able to open at a 25 percent capacity when orange county reaches the lowest yellow tier under the color-coded reopening system uh that's based on the coronavirus prevalence and testing rates the yellow tier is the minimal designation it's assigned when daily new cases are under one per 100,000 people Mm. um so mm, currently uh only nine of california's 58 counties fall in that tier Um, orange county is currently red meaning at the top of the list um so how quickly that'll be like a minimum at least of a month but i don't see them getting from red to yellow in a month that quick but um 
Who knows, man? Who knows? I mean, of course, they. I feel like they had to put out this article and put out this press release because they were getting hammered. California oh, yeah. itself was getting hammered, and Disneyland was like, what the fuck? Disney was like, uh, most of our money, well, not most of, a lot of our money comes from the theme park, so you know they were waiting for the, good, the green light to get back into work, but... Yeah, I mean, just got to be careful, man. Absolutely. Got to be careful. It's all for each other's well-being. Like, it's not to punish anybody, but we, we just got to stay healthy. Absolutely. And we should say the, the same guidelines will obviously also be in place for Universal Studios. Yeah. And, you know, uh, uh, the Knott's Berry Farm, I think it's called. Uh, you know, all the theme parks in, in Southern California. So, yeah. Um, We'll see, man. I mean, they've been okay in Orlando. They've been open for a while and haven't had any issues under these guidelines. So, you know, we'll see. Hang in there. Hang in there, Disneyland. Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, exciting things happening for Disney+. Plus. Yes. They have confirmed a Willow sequel series taking place years after the events of the original Ron Howard-directed pick. And it's heading into production this year. Finally, I'm, I, I, I mean, I've never seen this film. Uh, no, but no. Yeah, I, mean, I know we, <laughs> I, that's so funny because you've never seen it. But we've been talking about this Willow like series for yeah. like since we started the show. We have. Ron Howard is like, no, it's coming. I promise. But wait, hold on. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Er, 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 but like, now we know it is like, coming finally. So um, it's gonna be awesome. I mean, Howard is obviously gonna return to uh the project as executive producer. Yeah. And. I know what you're thinking. Is Willow coming back? Yes. Warwick Davis will once again play our hero, Willow. So, I, I mean, and and for anybody who doesn't know, this is kind of, it's going to fall under Lucasfilm. Yeah. And so it's going to be the first non-Star Star Wars, like, adventure or project since 2015. Yeah. So... That's going to be pretty cool. I, I think I, so. I think, you yeah. know. I mean, especially like a series. I don't know if they've ever done a series. I could be wrong. I mean, I'm probably going to get hammered with that. <laughs> oh, they've done this. They've done that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm no, no. I don't act like I know everything. No. no but no. yeah, I'm super excited. I want to go back and watch the original. It was in the, the 80s, right? The yes, movie? Yes, yes yeah. it was. So, he remembers. He it was there. Definitive. <laughs> it was a definitive movie. If you were anywhere around in the 80s, it's on your all-time favorite list. Yeah. You know, it, it's impossible possible not to be and 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 the good news is is while we are going to go back into that world that we're familiar with and the characters that we're familiar with apparently it's going to introduce all new characters That's also so you know and kind of having an updated story going along with it so yeah i, I you know ron howard yeah, I can mean, do anything no wrong. Imagine does yeah. is like you know. So okay. agreed, agreed. I mean, we'll be talking a little bit more about them. Oh yeah. Um, and exciting news for FX and Hulu. You know that FX is on Hulu. Archer <laughs> has been renewed for season twelve at FXX. Uh, it's crazy that an animated series goes this long. I mean, right? you think about like Family Guy and The Simpsons, and that's kind of the longest like it's been. But a show like Archer, which is kind of like outside the normal animated adult animated series is still going that long so it's awesome it has this huge cult phenomena fan base and uh, able to keep going like that and of course hulu i mean they have really great content right now it's and true. so i feel like they are definitely not a lot of people talk about hulu but they they they're up there they're yeah up there. i mean absolutely they they are a huge part of disney's streaming strategy yeah you know everybody thinks disney plus disney plus but remember guys they own all of hulu now too exactly. and that is a huge part of 
their streaming platform. Exactly, so. exactly. And I mean, they just picked up the rights to domestic distribution for uh, Cecilia Duvall's directed film, Happiest Season. And yeah. it's going to be a, a rare mainstream holiday comedy centered around two women uh, in love. The original distributor and co-financer, Sony, will uh, retain the rights to Canada and the rest of the world. Yes. And I mean, the exciting thing is like this has a lot of stars attached to it. It and, really does. In the film uh kristen stewart mckenzie davis and like i said and it's going to premiere on hulu on november 25th it's a wednesday yeah and, and then uh, like you said allison brie aubrey plaza daniel levy yeah uh victor garber mary steenburgen all in this film with them so like damn every time you said her name i for sure thought you said mary steenburgen no, Virgin. Yeah, yeah. Virgin. Okay. Yeah. I mean, see, this is what we're here for, to learn about the entertainment industry <laughs> and how to pronounce names. We're here to learn, guys. That's right. That, that, that's right. <laughs> oh, I my mean, goodness. Woo! Although, I'm sure she's heard that throughout Probably. her life so many times. Yeah, it's I'm like, sorry. You know. I'm sorry. No, she's a great, too. That's right. She's a legend, so <laughs> I feel She bad. is. It's all good. She it's is. all good. Oh, man. But ex- more exciting things happening at Hulu. Uh, the Chamber's writer, uh, Randy McKinnon, is now developing a one-hour drama titled, or titled Wild Rabbit. Yeah. And uh, he's going to serve as creator, writer, executive producer on the series. And it's going to be inspired by events of his own life, which follows a, car- or a college sports phenomena, Montel Harris, that's the character. And he, who has like the world at his fingertips, but then his life changes after he is assaulted and has like a, a career-ending injury. Mm. So, mm. damn, deep. Yeah, Deep, that, I man. mean, like, come on now, right? Like, like, and, and you know, I feel like it's it's a timely story because you know now, these days with all these like crazy contracts in pro sports yeah. and all this kind of stuff going on, you know, people forget that all it takes one tiny thing and your career is over. That's and if it. that's all you had, if you weren't prepared beyond that, you're in trouble. Yeah. So I feel like this is going to be an interesting story. And Agreed. I mean, you know, agreed, especially going back to, you feel like you're on top of the world, like maybe even on, on screen, like being shot for college football games and things like that. And then you get injured and go back to like the hood, the ghetto, like that's you're it. back in like day to day life. And people are like, Oh, I know you. And you're like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. So it's, it's going to be crazy. I definitely think it is a nowadays like story to tell. So it's going to be good, especially when a lot of kids are going to college, sports scholarships, and are one and done. Like go one year and then go to the NFL or go one year and then go to the NBA. Like it's so necessary to tell these type of stories too. You need to have something to fall back on. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean to put the twist on it, I mean this was an attack that caused yeah, the injury right? that, that and, you know, like didn't even have to do with a sports no. injury. Yeah, just like I, I mean I'm looking forward to it. Like you said, Hulu's doing some good stuff and they they're are. edgy, and I mean you know so. Whew. Okay, so Warner Media. Okay, we're gonna switch over now to the bunny from the mouse. That's right. Um, they they had good news. And, you know, kind of just like shake-up news, right? So let's start with the shake-up news. Warner Brothers Television Operations Chairman Peter Roth has decided to vacate his position at the TV studio. He's out of there. Deuces. After more than two decades leading the television division, he's slated to step down in early 2021. Apparently, him and Warner Media have been planning this exit for a while. Um, Anna Sarnoff, who's been discussing the transition, uh, transition with him, so they were prepared for this. Now, here's the crazy thing, guys. You're talking about a guy 
that over the last couple of decades that he's been there was responsible for putting shows up like The West Wing, yeah. Big Bang Theory, Gilmore Girls, Two and a Half Men, Gossip Girl, The Flash, and The Arrowverse, Supernatural. I mean, think about that for a minute. And I know what you're thinking. Like, they weren't all on like this or that. Well, Warner Brothers TV produces shows for other networks also. You know, Warner. that's a, that's a thing. So, right. So while Two and a Half Men might have been on, you know, CBS or Big Bang Theory was on CBS, it was a Warner Brothers. TV production and this guy was behind it. So um what do you do yeah, in exactly. that instance? What do you do? Well, we were wondering a couple of weeks ago uh, about where this individual would end up, right? We're talking about Channing Dungey, who yeah. a couple of weeks ago exited Netflix yeah. after a long period of time. We were thinking, I don't know, where does she go? You know, there's there's some openings there. Well, now we know Channing has officially been tapped to Take over for Peter Roth when Boom. he leaves yeah. as chairman of Warner Brothers TV. Exactly. So that makes sense. Exactly. I mean, that that's that's a good call in my opinion. She has worked at Warner Brothers in the past, way back. She worked at Disney before Netflix. She's got a ton of experience. So I, I think this is a smart move. Um, I don't think you're losing anything by by Channing coming in and, and replacing him. So, um, and it like I said, just comes just two weeks after she left Netflix. So the cherry picking, the jumping from streamer to streamer, yeah, that is like every streaming week going wars on, is, is alive and real, man. Like it's absolutely insane. And I mean, with these streamers like just hitting the ground running, freaking Warner Brothers and AT and T slash HBO Max announced the growth of HBO Max numbers like they yes. they came in well over projections they yep. thought they were going to have around like 36 million in subscribers but they actually have 38 million in yeah. subscribers yeah. like that's awesome doubling the third quarter numbers to 8.6 million i yeah. mean they thought they were going to put close to 5 in but 8.6 yeah. in this third they had impressive third quarter numbers they did we're going to talk a little bit later about maybe some people who didn't have did some not. impressive numbers for the third quarter. Yeah. But it does show, though, that uh, the numbers, uh, HBO and HBO Max combined, had almost 2 million gained yeah. in, in the third quarter. So congratulations. I, now if you get on Roku, yeah, I right. think that'll skyrocket even more. I mean, like, keep in mind, this is the one that was hard to find. Exactly. You know, where can I watch it? Where can I not? Do I have it? Do I not have it? So and to put up those type numbers with all that chaos is impressive, and I think think it's only going to keep getting better for warner media i agree i mean i agree especially like you said if they get they finalize that roku deal if there's one going on and if not we want that to happen because yes. it's definitely necessary and uh, or the apple deal we we saw that maybe an apple deal is going on with hbo max too we, we talked about multiple times how apple's tv is trying to be like that one-stop shop yeah. hub place so whatever you get done first we are there for it because we basically have all the streaming services and we are ready to go but i'm so super happy about this because there's a lot of great content on hbo max that nobody's talking about exactly so i mean i'm thrilled to see that thrilled and to see that a lot of great content coming, as you guys know. Yeah. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Agreed. Well, yeah. that little that little thing is going to be on thing. HBO Max, and we've got some surprising news for 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 the Snyder cut. This is this is exciting. Jared Leto is going to come back as Joker in Snyder's Justice League cut. Um, unclear 
whether it was always meant to appear in Justice League. As you guys know, he did not appear in, in, in the Justice League cut that was theatrically released. So it's unclear if, if Snyder's version included him or if he's now just adding him because this thing's going to be like four hours long yeah, right. on uh, HBO Max. I hope with the change of direction that maybe this character will get portrayed a different type of way i hated jared leto's joker and suicide squad so we shall see man we shall see i mean Zack snyder seems to have this epic vision of these characters and of the justice league so i'm i'm holding high hopes man i'm holding high hopes but like i said i hated his i'm joker. telling you i think we're gonna see the legion of doom yeah because it was also just i just saw this about an hour ago joe mangiola has been confirmed to be coming back as deathstroke also mm. for the snyder cut so you, you know if you're bringing joker if you're bringing deathstroke I, I mean it just seems like they're lining up the villains so maybe we are remember that scene that was like very super brief at the end of justice league with deathstroke meeting luther yeah. like they were trying to pull together the group i'm just thinking maybe that's what's gonna go down yeah so i don't who knows who knows, who knows? man who knows man but definitely more comic book news that is happening over at warner brothers yes. and i think this is the perfect guy for the job uh michael b jordan will produce a movie adaptation of the dc comic book hero static shock yes aka virgil hawkins created by milestones media and dc comics in the 1990s this is epic because everybody knows it's a black man so i mean we need to see more of that yes so i love that i love that so freaking much and i mean it's a teenage superhero a lot of people know that with electromagnetic powers a static shock animated series aired on uh warner brother kids warner brothers in the early 2000s so i'm sure a lot of people remember that character i watched it yeah it was i loved it me too i thought it was a really good cartoon and it was a really good well done superhero cartoon agreed um you know and they've made leaps and bounds since then but it was good but even back then yeah um super happy about that so uh and like you said i mean anything that michael b jordan is attaching himself to you know is going to be good agreed so um yeah i'm excited that's that first look deal with Warner Brothers, though. Remember That's I was it. talking about that a couple mm-hmm. of months ago? That's that first look deal right there. That's right. That's what happens. Uh, HBO <laughs> has also greenlit a limited series adaptation of Joe Nesbo novel, The Sun. And yes. Jake Gyllenhaal himself attached to star and executive produce. This mm. seems to be the thing now. It is. I mean, especially for the big-time established actors. They're like, oh, yeah, can you star? But if you want to produce, you can do that as well. Yeah. Like, I, I, I want well you know what I think that is I think that's hey look we're gonna pay you a little bit less because we want to try to keep this budget right. under control but we're gonna make you a producer and then in the event you know these things start winning awards the you you got to be a producer to participate in that right unless you're talking individual acting or something yeah. like you know but to be you know like best picture or best show or you know win the Emmy for best you know drama you have to be a producer to be on the team to get that yeah and so I think that's a lot of it it's like we can't pay you but we're gonna make you a producer and you can share in some back end profits right and if we win anything you're on that so yeah. it makes sense to me I mean you exactly know. I mean and it's supposed to be like. Uh, it's coming from the Westworld creators, so yeah. it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, brutal, hierarchy, corruption, all that good stuff. Vengeance, drama, drama, drama. So, I mean, <laughs> be stay tuned for that, guys. Stay tuned for that. And speaking of another drama, one Woo! that I still need to check out. Yes, you do, man. I mean, so good, this yep. one, man. We're talking about 
Euphoria. Yes. Yes, Zendaya. Remember, she won the Emmy. Ah, so happy for yeah, her. Yeah. Well, the bad news is we still have to wait until God knows when next year to see it for right. the second season because apparently it is not coming out until almost the end of next year. But, but there's a little holdover for you. They have confirmed, HBO has confirmed, that there will be two special episodes mm. uh, for the drama that will kind of hold us over until we can get season two. The first episode will be titled, Trouble Don't Last Always, and it's going to find Rue in the aftermath. Uh, spoilers, by the way, if you haven't seen it, but sorry. Right, <laughs> it's going to find Rue in the aftermath of being shit. left by Jules at the train station and relapsing back into the drugs and the alcohol and all the problems. And it's going to follow her... Apparently, she's going to be going through all this during Christmas. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> it's sucks. a Christmas episode. It's going to be great. Uh, it's set to air, and I think it really is meant to be a Christmas episode. It's set to air December 6th, Sunday, December 6th on HBO. The second episode, they haven't revealed anything yet. Not the title, not the plot, not the date. That's all coming later. They're going to announce that here within the next few weeks. Of course, we'll tell you when they do. Definitely. I'm excited, though, because I love this show and to have to wait. It's like another crown situation. It's like, oh, here's season one. Now wait 18 years for season two. It's like, yeah. what the fuck? But uh, at least we get a Christmas special. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, it's a highly popular show. So well-deserved, man. Yes. Well-deserved. Yes. And I wonder how that's going to work as well um, because we know that sometimes maybe with like, for example, CBS All Access airs uh, Star or Star Trek Lower Decks the same day on uh, – on network that it does on the streaming service and right. sometimes hulu i mean of course being a streaming service and being partnered with the networks get it's the next day mm -hmm. so with it being hbo max and hbo is it going to be same day or the next day interesting questions it's, interesting it is questions. very interesting questions yeah yeah so um who knows who knows we'll see we'll see you around christmas <laughs> that's right drugs and fucking cotton candy, candy i mean canes, you know like uh, will we see santa well, That's the question. Will right. we? Will Will Rue run into Santa? Mm. <sighs> Eric Dane is Santa. Yeah. Oh. 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 Um, <laughs> HBO has also ordered a limited series, The White Lotus. Yes. Uh, interesting. When I read this this morning, I for sure said it said The White House. So I was like, uh, political, political, political. <laughs> uh, but it's going to be a six episode series, and it's set at an exclusive tropical resort, and follows oh. the exploits of various guests and employees over a span of a week. The cast includes Murray Bartlett. Connie Britton, mm. uh, Jennifer Coolidge, uh, Alexandra Dedretro, uh, Fred had sure. lots of people, man. <laughs> lots of people. <laughs> Just jump to the easy ones. Jake Lacey, Brittany O'Grady, uh, uh, Steve Zahn. Exactly. It's going to be great. It's, I mean, the, the cast, seriously, though, is really good. And, and that's about all they give us. Yeah, like, like, so, okay, it. I mean, what's it really going to dive into? What What's going on no at idea. this tropical resort? We don't know. No. I guess we'll find out. We've had bad times at the tropical resort. <laughs> um, That's it. <laughs> now heading over to Viacom CBS. Uh, Black Monday has been renewed for a season three at Showtime. The new yes. season will go into production around 2021 and debut a little later that year. Uh, everybody knows the series stars Don Cheadle, Andrew Rennes, uh, Regina Hall, like Paul Shear, like, and I mean, there's so many others. Oh yeah. But it's great. It's great to see that good content is getting renewed. Um, uh, kind of sad because netflix doesn't renew anything right but it's okay it's Seriously. okay you can get new life or just life in general 
other places. That's it. And this is a good show too. Anybody who hasn't watched it, it's really about like these these underdog kind of, you know, underperformers. Nobody thinks they're really going to do it. And it takes place during the worst stock market crash. Yeah. And so, you know, they kind of come out and hit and have a little bit of success. It, it's really entertaining show. So season three, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Agreed. Agreed. And then following that announcement uh, renewed for the third season, Regina Hall has inked a first look deal with Showtime. And I mean, you guys know the spiel. Under the pack, <laughs> Hall will develop, produce TV projects for Showtime via her production company, RH Negative. Uh, sources tell us that she is poised to star and executive produce in an hour-long comedy special which is already in development under this deal so that's really exciting that's really exciting i wonder how that like i can only imagine you have content ready to pitch when you're trying to get this first look deal so i mean you know we'll get there i think so i think okay now we just said right at the top of the show when we were talking about disney well ron howard is everywhere brian grazier is everywhere imagine um well so cbs also Right? Okay. It only makes sense. Apparently, CBS is in advanced talks with uh, Brian Grazer and Ron Howard and everybody's favorite guy to hate, Simon Cowell, to produce the next big music competition series. Mm. Oh. Oh. Do we want Simon back on another music competition series? I don't know, but I I guess it's happening. Right. But we're putting Ron Howard and Brian Grazer, so it should be successful. It's going to be called... 50 States of Stardom. Mm -hmm. It's going to mix a music competition with a unique documentary format in order to discover America's next greatest talents. That's kind of cool. So it's going to be a music competition show, but also a docuseries. It's going to profile all 50 states in the U.S., narrow down one talented musician from each state, and then the process will culminate in a showcase competition ending in the determination of the most talented musician in the country. Kind of sounds like oh. American Idol. <laughs> right. yeah, but but, but uh, American Idol didn't have Ron Howard and Brian Grazer true. doing little documentaries it's about true. the contestants. Yeah. So that I, I'm I'm guessing that's what yeah. they're going to be doing. Yeah. So I, well, yeah, yeah. Let, uh, hold on. Let, yeah. let, me, let, me, let me make sure we get this right. Like, I think that's – the docuseries will capture each contestant's journey both in the competition and outside of it for a show that is both cinematic and realistic. Mm. There. I wanted to make sure I got mm. that in. I thought I read that right earlier. But, you know, so there you go. You're going to get a little mini film about yeah. each of the contestants. And yeah. You will have a judges, you know, panel of judges. You will have a host. We don't know who. We don't know. You know, we don't even know if it's going to get greenlit. Right. But if it's Ron Howard and Brian Grazer, I'm betting it is. Yeah, right. So, you know, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on this one. This this will be interesting. We and what does see. that mean for Simon Cowell with America's Got Talent? Right. Mm. Like. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting to see, man. Uh, Paramount Plus is also in development of – are you ready? Currently CBS All Access. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> Currently CBS All Access. Flashdance no. as a reboot series. Um, no. 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 What a feeling. No. What a feeling. No. Kill me now. Yeah. Like, no. Uh, this is – this sucks. This sucks because we know we hate reboots. I mean we've all seen it. Okay. It's funny when you recreate the – you know, the dancing on the chair and the water splashing yeah, down and yeah. like, you know. And it's – they're sure, they're cool 80s songs. You know, what a feeling. And she's a maniac, man. But we don't need to see it again. No. We don't need to see it. And we were talking about this, and I called it. I assure you, we should like tape our conversations like when we just talk we in should. industry news or whatever. But the second I read the headline, I said, there's no way she's going to be a coal miner again. She's not working in a coal mine. That, that shit will never fly. No. They're going to have to change that story up. They are. They are. They are. She is now a black woman 
who's a stripper with ballet dreams. <laughs> oh, what? yeah. What? Yeah. Okay, look, guys. I think Lil' Cam said this bad. best. We're all for diversity. We're all for kind of like, you know, making things relevant and everything. But isn't that very stereotypical? Why she's got to be a stripper? Right. Like She could be working any other hard grind, you know, dead-end job. Why she got to be a stripper? Yeah. Like, be- I don't I don't know. Uh, this yeah. is bad from start to finish. Don't do this. It Just is. don't do this. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's intense, man. It's... She will learn how to love herself. She will. Uh, yeah. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, NBC Universal has announced that for Saturday Night Live, Adele is set to host this week's Saturday Night Live <laughs> tomorrow, and her will be uh, the musical guest. So that's super exciting. We love Adele. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, we had to throw that in there because we love Adele. Of course. I mean, <laughs> of course. And also, some other cool things uh, champion figure skater Adam Rippon uh, is developing a comedy series about skating at NBC. Oh. And the series is set. In the off the wall adult figure skating world, and mm. it's said to tackle the oversized oversized ambitions, underwhelming talent, and boundless heart uh, as one of the women fights for her family, uh, failing knees, and every other skater on the ice. Like oh, so it's, it's gonna be lot. like Tanya Harding? No. <laughs> oh, oh. oh. I mean. I, Sorry, yeah. sorry. I mean, she was talented. Right, she, right. She was crazy, but she was talented. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she could, she could skate. Huh? Yeah. And this next one, I'm not excited about this either. Yeah, I mean, yeah, even no. though it's coming from Seth MacFarlane, everybody knows. Yeah, yeah. No well, love him. Uh, at least, at least the skater figure skater thing was original. Yeah. Right. But here we go again. We just did, we just talked Flashdance. Now here we go again. If you're old like me, you loved this movie. You you loved it. You love Sally Field. You love Burt Reynolds, Jackie Gleason. How could you not love the car? I'm talking about Smokey and the Bandit, of course. Of course. course. Well, let's remake it. Yeah. What? Like, why? And let's make it a TV series. What? Why? Why? Making all these good old classic films no, in the series. No, it like, just doesn't make... Seth MacFarlane is behind this, Um, so you would think it's going to be good, but I'm like, Seth, why? I know. Why? It's unnecessary. The writer of Pineapple Express is going to be writing it. Um, I just... Why? I know. You're going to love our top five today, because we're going to tell you things that should be, but not... Smokey and the Bandit. Not Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, Bandit. Yeah, (gasps) really, really interesting. And a chapter is finding – a book is coming to a close, finally. Um, We're talking about The Fast and Furious. The franchise is finally coming to a conclusion after 10th and 11th film. I mean, a few years ago, Ludacris said they wanted to aim for 10, but apparently they wanted to do 11. Um, Justin Lin, who directed the 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, and ninth film, uh, will return to direct the final two installments of the franchise. And yeah, I'm just ready for it to finally be over. Yeah, and, and but here's the crazy thing. They still want to try to build that universe. So... Dom's story's over. The, that franchise is over. But apparently we're finding out that the world is going on. No shit. So, yeah, apparently there's a bunch of spin-off storylines still in place that are still in development. They plan on moving forward with all these like crazy spin-off ideas. I mean, Hobbs and Shaw yeah. obviously was successful. So I'm guessing they think that they can just keep pushing yeah. this thing. So is it really over? If you're just getting rid of Dom, is it really over? Right. I mean, you know. Like, I mean, nobody wants to hear Dom sing, by the no, way. No, he said he was going to do more. Like, like, no, no. I know. It's no. so bad. Just do another. I'd rather you do another Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say it. After listening to that, I mean, and I can't sing either, okay? 
I can't sing either, so I can't judge. But I'm just saying, I would rather see another Fast and Furious. Movie, right. That's all I'm saying. Just saying. Just saying. Oh, and Universal's long-awaited adaptation of the Smash Broadway musical Wicked has hit yet another yes. roadblock. Um, the director, Stephen Daldry, uh, has departed the movie due to uh, scheduling conflicts. Yeah. That this sucks. thing has basically been in development since it hit Broadway. Ever. They were yeah. like... As soon as they saw it on Broadway, they're like, we're making a movie out of this. Yeah. And it has like literally been sitting in development hell yeah. since then. They've tried. It's failed. It was looking so good, but no. It sucks. No. And it looked like it was finally going to happen last year, yeah. but no. And so. it sucks. And it shows that like with The Greatest Showman and Hamilton, people want to see these adaptations. Yeah. Like especially – I think they should do more like Hamilton where they film it multi-camera like an actual musical and do it that way because I think that was such a badass experience. I'd, I don't – I don't not necessarily like the movie musical aspect, of, eh, eh, but I mean either or. I mean teach his own, but yeah, the I mean greatest showman, bro. Yeah, that was a movie musical. I know. I still haven't seen it, so that's why I'm. Yeah, I mean, you know this. You know this. I, and every time I'm shocked. <laughs> like I, I keep waiting for him to say, "Oh yeah, no, I saw it. Hugh Jackman is the best ever." No, he hasn't. No. Zendaya's in it. Uh, Zach Efron's Zac in it. Efron, like yeah. everybody's in it. Yeah, it's the greatest showman. <laughs> but no, no, uh, can't get J Lo to watch it. <laughs> group watch on Disney Plus tonight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be great. That'd be oh, great. Oh my goodness. Uh, other cool things happening. Is it though? I don't know. I really don't. It's another reboot. Because I mean, I know I don't know this franchise at all. So. I'm a little too young for it. Uh, Simon Kinberg has signed on to write and produce Universal's feature adaptation of the th- sci-fi franchise, Battlestar Galactica. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, now, now, are you a little too young for the the one that was just around a few years ago, or like the original with like fucking Lauren Green? I guess I just never paid attention to this at all because like the, I've heard of the name, but I've literally I have no idea what it's about. Yeah, it, it was first on in the seventies with with uh, Paul Cartwright, yeah. Lauren Green. Um, and remember Face from the A Team, and like I mean there okay. there was a lot of people on it. It was it was very. Very, a lot of people thought as it transitioned out of the 70s into the 80s that somehow Knight Rider was involved with it because what the, the Cyclones had these like red visors yeah. that went and then Kit had that. They're like, oh yeah. shit, Kit's, so, you know, no, no, it was no. no, anyway. They rebooted it with Edward James Olmos uh, a few years back, and so and it was hugely successful again, yeah. Um, so and now apparently. They're gonna reboot it again. Again. Um. So and and what's crazy is they're we're talking about a feature film reboot here, but they also have another TV series. I guess for the third time <laughs> uh, on NBC Universal's uh, Peacock. So talk about redundant rebooting a reboot. <laughs> like, yeah, for the third time. Yeah. I mean, come on now. I mean, no. and uh, the movie. Who knows? I I just I don't know. I loved both shows, yeah. but enough is enough. Yeah. I mean, we Agreed. don't need all these. Agreed. Well. We have good news and bad news mm. about uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Sony announced that the sequel to this huge cult cl- classics phenomena, uh, it's also going to be delayed. Yes. I mean, we've been talking about COVID delaying all these freaking movies. But the cool thing is uh, when it comes out, it's going to be exactly 37 years since the original film. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So that's so, Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Next summer, right? June 11th, 2021. Yeah. 
Uh, I can't believe it's been 37 y- Yes, I can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're back. That's, that's fine. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. But yeah, I'm excited about it though because I like the darker adaptation they're going I with. I did too. Like, so I'm excited. I mean, Paul Rudd, who doesn't love Paul Rudd? And I really like full, uh, Finn Wolflin there from Stranger Things. So Yes. Yeah. Yes. It seems like every story we're starting with is like, okay, here's the good news. Finally confirmed that Legally Blonde 3 is happening. MGM's like, yeah, we're going. Reese is everywhere saying, woohoo, we're, do- we're doing it, we're doing it. Yeah, no. And the bad news is that while that's true, they've decided to push it back. So <laughs> It's um, like a balloon that It's got coming. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. But now it's going to be pushed back the release date, uh, May 20th, 2022. Yeah. So as if we weren't waiting long enough for another bend and snap, we got to wait another couple of years yeah but at least it's happening at yeah, least yeah. it's happening it's so. happening it's happening guys and this next i'm pretty i don't i'm confused by this one because the animation version of the adams family is actually doing very well yeah and, but now the mgm television is developing a new adams family live action tv series another reboot um why 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 you're hitting the bag too many times. It's like, true. You're beating a dead horse. That's it's what I'm true. trying to say. And and this is what I don't understand. The people attached to this, you would think they they're so creative, they're so groundbreaking in what they do. Why would they want to do a reboot? Exactly. I, I just I'm talking about Alfred Goff and um, Miles Miller. If you guys know who they are, you know they created Smallville way back in the day. Yep. They just have a ton of hits. Yeah. Okay. That they've created over the last couple of decades, and then Tim Burton. Is apparently in negotiations to direct this thing. Now, if you've got Goff and Miller and Tim Burton, who probably are like just like like I said, they've put so much groundbreaking yeah. original content out there over the last thirty years. The why do we need to go back to the Adams family? I, I, mm. I know, I know. I don't know, man. Well, it's the same with the Power Rangers. The Power Rangers Ugh. are coming back uh, for more film and television adaptations. Yes. Hasbro, stop. E1, stop. Yes. Entertainment One, I should say. Uh, the company has tapped Jonathan Entwinsel, uh, creator of the Netflix series I'm Not Okay With This, and It's the End of the Fucking World, to lead the projects for Entertainment One. And uh, they're developing uh, and producing the projects with install uh, to set to direct across both platforms yeah um stop again i I think (laughs) this is another attempt at starting a universe yeah Yeah, everybody wants to recreate the mcu magic it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen with battlestar galacta it's not gonna it's not gonna happen with the power rangers that is a one and done that was a genius plan that was executed brilliantly it is not going to happen again. Stop exactly. trying. Stop trying with all this stuff. Yeah. Oh, and this next one, we're finally here, guys. We're finally here. You guys know how we were talking about third quarter earnings mm. and how it was great for HBO Max, but the juggernaut itself, Netflix, fell short a little bit. Yeah. It fell a little short. Yeah. Uh, sadly. Um, mm. Subscriber growth dropped considerably. Yeah. Uh, of course, they had a huge initial second quarter bump because of covid yeah everybody was staying home watching but that dropped and it fell off considerably uh for the third quarter they netted 2.2 million subscribers in the third quarter which was well below not only wall street's expectations but also netflix's own expectations they thought they were going to do much better than that they did not Mm -mm. 
And not only was it bad for subscriber news, but the profits weren't as high as they thought it no, was going to be either. They posted net earnings well below the analyst consensus estimates with a revenue of $6.44 billion and earnings of only $1.74 per share. Wall Street was expecting as high as $2.13 a share. So that is consistent. Consif- Considerably lower yeah. than what they thought. So, mm. I mean, what what we were talking about off the show. What do you? What is Netflix going to do when literally everybody has it? Especially something like COVID that hit last quarter and then kind of boosted their numbers extremely massively that we talked about. That's right. But what happens when everybody has it? You're going to miss those marks. You're not going to get the subscriber base that you wanted because of everybody already has it. And also, I feel like a lot of people are canceling Netflix because, one, they keep canceling all these shows. That's it. And two, I feel like – honestly, I'm just going to put this out there. All their quote-unquote blockbuster movies – are subpar at best. Yeah. In my opinion, subpar at best. Yeah. So it is what it is, man. Well, and you bring up the cancellations. They did say, they were trying to spin this a little bit positive, that they do have $1.1 billion of cash on hand. Yeah. But that's because of all of the halted productions and or cancellations. Yeah. It's spread out because of COVID. So the only reason they have that is because they stopped spending or canceled shows. So... You know, yeah. <laughs> you spend that any way you want to, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, and they keep trying new stuff too. I mean, we talked about the past couple weeks how they got rid of that 30 day free trial shit and are focusing more on the website, the Netflix free website where you can whatever watch the pilots of the episodes. Well, now they're also planning something new. Uh, the new promotion letting everyone in a given country across the world have access for free for a weekend like literally a 48 hour free promo basically and it's happening in india first to test the water out and uh the move comes after earlier this month like i said they got rid of that third or that 30 day free trial yeah i i just don't know man they're they're trying to be innovators i'll give them that they're really trying because after like we what we talked about once everybody has streaming and cut the cord like Streaming is going to become network, basically, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. everybody has it and prices are going to keep going up and up and up. I mean, we've seen that with Netflix, like, drastically. Right. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. They're trying different stuff, and kudos to them, but I don't think they're trying the right stuff. Now, I don't know what that is. I mean, I threw out the idea of possibly VR content, more VR content, because I think that was great, especially what they did with that Black Mirror uh, movie that they did. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, I, don't, I just don't know. I don't know, but keep canceling everybody's favorite shows like away right that everybody loved they canceled it uh for the second season and like people are just gonna drop off i am totally pissed about that by the way and yeah. I, I like the little pun you kind of lay it the right stuff yeah like, that's kicking ass on on uh, disney by the way it is just saying they're not canceling it no just saying but away i was really disappointed because it was a really top-notch drama it was about nasa and about the mission to mars led by a woman the lead character in this was a, a woman Hillary Swank and like a ridiculous 
ridiculously diverse cast. Uh, Russian, Asian, Indian, <laughs> you know, like because they were all on this mission to Mars. So it's a, a hugely diverse cast, right? You're talking about a woman-led content, talking about dealing with the man left at home while the woman is the breadwinner and he's dealing with the stuff that he's got to go through and everything. Everything seemed like it was rolling like this is the perfect kind of show that you want right now in society and they cancel it. Yeah. What? It doesn't make like, any it sense. doesn't make any sense. They they try to claim it was budget reasons, but come on, man, you got to make some decisions. Sometimes you got to spend in the right places, and I felt like a way was in the right places. And I, I don't know. I know it's it's crazy. It's crazy, it is crazy. man. Um, but exciting things happening for Netflix. Uh, Kristen Bell is set to star in The Woman in the House, and mm. it's going to be a limited series. I feel like all their shows should just be a limited series. Right. Um, it has been picked up by Netflix. It's eight episodes. It stars Bell as a heartbroken protagonist. Anna and her every day uh, and every day it's the same. She sits there with her wine, staring out the window, watching life go by without her. Uh, but then one handsome fellow oh. uh, passes by. A neighbor moves in across the street and she sees a light at the end of the tunnel. That is until she witnesses a gruesome murder. Um, or, did or did she? she? Or did oh, she? Or did like, she? Just reading that, I'm like, oh shit. Is the handsome happened? guy a killer or not? Or is she crazy? Yeah. like Because she know. never leaves the house, apparently. But Belle is going to executive produce the series in addition to starring. Like we talked about, this is happening more and more frequently. So I'm excited for that one. Me too, me too. And, and you know what? I'm going to bring up some Dominic West news, and it has nothing to do with Izzy or Izzy not boinking Lily James. Right. Like, <laughs> Remember? I, I, who cares? Alone. Leave them alone. We don't care what they're doing. We don't know. What we do know Izzy's doing is he's apparently really close to signing a deal to play Prince Charles in the final two seasons of The Crown. That's a good pick. Yeah. He's going to star opposite Elizabeth Debicki as Princess Diana for seasons five and six. And uh, the, as we guys know, it's going to take it into the 1990s and the 2000s and um, – I mean, come on, guys. We all know what goes down in the storyline with Princess Diana and Charles and Camilla and all of the kind of stuff. So um, it's mm, it, it, it's interesting. So I'm excited. But I agree with you. I think it's a really good choice. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully the deal gets done because uh, they're, they're going to need some people. Yeah. Because this is going to be an intense storyline to finish this series off. So Agreed. Agreed. And we'll speaking see. about intense, I mean, Netflix has the rights to Chadwick Boseman's final film, Yes. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and yep. it's set to release. It actually released its first trailer, yep. uh, which the late actor was suited up in a tuxedo playing blues music, and with co-star Viola Davis, the film tells a story about a trailblazing blues artist, Ma Rainey, uh, portrayed by Davis, set in Chicago in 1927, and the musicians grapple with the issues of race, music, relationships, and the exploration exploitation of black recording artists so i'm super excited about this one yeah me too and and from everything i'm understanding and hearing uh his performance is off the charts mm. um it's we should say it's coming out december 18th so you'll be able to see it you know about a month and a half but um yeah the performance from everything that 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 we're hearing is it it's oscar worthy and netflix announced today that they have every intention of putting all the money behind it and trying to get him the oscar so posthumous as it be 
uh, they are going to go after it hardcore trying to get him an Oscar. So we'll see. I'm excited to see it, though. I'm, I'm really excited to see it. Definitely, definitely. Well, recently Emmy-winning Jeremy Strong is in talks to portray the writer John Gruen and Bradley Cooper as uh, Maestro? Maestro? Yep, Maestro. Yep. Yeah, and uh, the Leonard Bernstein biopic for Netflix. Yes. Everybody knows Cooper is producing correct. Uh, co-writing, directing, and starring in the film. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yes. I mean, we love The Star is Born, so he needs to get behind the camera more. He does. He does. And Jeremy Strong is a brilliant actor. He is. I mean, come on now. He just won the Emmy last month, yeah, as you guys know, uh, for Succession. Uh, he was brilliant on The Good Wife. Everything he's kind of ever done. Most, he, uh, the Gentleman, too. The Gentleman, yep, yeah. Yep, fantastic. And then and then you pair him with, I mean, Bradley Cooper playing Bernstein. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be really good agree and yeah if you guys didn't know ruben most recently uh trial of chicago 7 and he's mm. brilliant in that he's yeah. he's literally just i mean him and sasha baron cohen together are just brilliant yeah. so check that out if you haven't seen that yet seriously seriously and kind of netflix is golden boy right now but he didn't <laughs> ink that overall deal that's true. Uh, jamie star jamie fox is starring and executive producing and netflix's vampire comedy uh day shift uh very interesting <laughs> Very interesting. Fox is going to portray a hardworking blue-collar dad who wants to provide a good life for his quick-witted eight-year-old daughter, but is mundane to a San Fernando Valley pool cleaning job is the front for his real source of income, hunting and killing vampires. So this is like a comedy version or like a really cheap attempt at Blade? Right, like, kind of. Uh, huh? Kind of. Huh? Let... <laughs> And they should have gone with since since Wesley's no longer playing Blade. Yeah, right. They should have gone with Snipes for this. I, I agree. mean, I I don't know. It would have been funny. It would have been funny. Yeah. Apparently, it's supposed to be a comedy. So, what better way to have comedy than to have Blade exactly playing another vampire? I'm just saying. Exactly. I'm just saying. Not, I, I mean, I love Jamie Foxx. Oh yeah. I just think it would have been funnier with Wesley Snipes. It would have been. <laughs> All right. Not just you know. Uh, well, now heading over to Amazon, <laughs> uh, they have issued a series order for Light Years, an hour long sci fi oh. drama. Produced by Legendary Entertainment, and uh, Light Years hails from Holden Miller, uh, the Sun Writer, and uh, into the Badlands producer Daniel C. Conley. Uh, the series Ooh. centers around Franklin and Irene York, a couple who years ago discovered a chamber buried in their backyard, which inexplicably leads to a strange, deserted planet. What? Whoa, shit! Like uh... this is very interesting. Okay, and, and it's carefully guarded. Their secret. Uh, they've carefully guarded their secret ever since. Uh, but when an inhabitant, uh, young man, interesting young man, I should say, yes. enters their life, the Yorks' uh, quite uh, their quite existence is quickly upended, and the mysterious chamber they thought they knew so well um, becomes so much more than they ever could imagine. Oh. So does this mysterious stranger come from the chamber? Is he coming from the supposedly deserted planet? Right. Like, hmm. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. Right. I, I, kudos, though, to anything that's original. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to knock anything that's original because mm. that, that, that is not a reboot. I want to watch it. Yeah, me to too. To be honest. Me too. Because, I mean, so much good sci-fi stuff I feel like gets canceled real quick. Like it's va- true. Like Vagrant Queen. Yes. Like we had Adrian Ray on the show to talk about yeah. that. The lead. And, sh- yeah, it sucks, man. It, it sucks. does. Uh, now head over to Apple, Apple doing some things with Scar Jo, Scarlett Johansson. That's right. Uh, she's going to produce, star in a 
science fiction drama, <laughs> Bride for Apple. Bride, or it's just titled Bride. Bride, bride for <laughs> Apple. Uh, <laughs> bride follows a woman created an ideal wife singular obsession with a brilliant entrepreneur when she rejects her creator and is forced to flee her confined existence, oh. confronting the world that she sees as her monster. Damn, while on the run, she finds her true identity and her surprising power and the strength to remake herself as her own creation. It's mm. kind of like overcoming shit and yeah. then becoming who you really want to be and who you are. So it sounds like a take on Machina. You know, like the, the, this genius creator creates a yeah. wife, um, you know, and then doesn't go the, exactly the way he planned. Um, but, I mean, it, it does sound like a very interesting premise. And, uh, yeah. you know, and Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, right. Uh, hello. I mean, you know, and she, you know, she needs some stuff to do. We're still waiting for Black Widow. Yeah, right. I, I just, like, you know, so we, if we can see her anywhere else, that'd be great. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for that. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. Oh, exciting stuff. Kate Hudson has signed on to star in season two of Apple's drama series. Truth be told, this is going to be her first regular television role. Oh. And she's going to... Uh, uh, appear alongside lead Octavia Spencer. Oh, so yeah. So that's super epic. So, and I mean, she's supposed to play like this uh, Misha Keith, a lifestyle guru and longtime friend of Poppy, who is Octavia's character. Mm. So, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and her first role, it's amazing how they make the transition. You know, you always think yeah. about the people making the transition from television to film. Mm -hmm. But now we're seeing a lot of them make the transition from film to television. Yeah. So, you know, I, I I am so freaking pumped about this next story, guys. Do you love all the classic cartoons, Peanuts cartoons, all the holiday specials? You know what I'm talking about. The Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown, Christmas Charlie Brown. You're like, Well, they're all coming to Apple, guys. All of them. Specials over the holiday season, Peanuts, including a Charlie Brown Christmas. It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. Uh, the latter, as you guys know, already made. It's available this week and will be available through October 30th to November 1st. So if you want to watch it on Halloween. And thank you because it seems like the networks always put these things out. Like Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeers comes out like eight weeks before fucking Christmas. Right. I want to watch Christmas on Christmas, okay? Yeah. So you can watch the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown on Halloween. That's fantastic. Exactly. Charlie Brown Thanksgiving is going to be put on Apple TV Plus uh, right before Thanksgiving, so you will be able to see it on Thanksgiving. It's yeah. going to run November 18th and then run free from November 25th through the 27th. And then A Charlie Brown Christmas is going to come on December 4th. Uh, so that's awesome. It and is. you know, And so apparently if you don't have Apple TV Plus, they're coming, and then right before the actual holiday, they'll run for free for a, you know like a week that's so funny. that you'll get to see them. So that – yeah, I love that. Definitely, I love that. definitely. And kind of off topic, kind of on topic. We went to Target the other day, and they're already fucking going to Christmas. <laughs> like no, no sense of the word mm -mm. of Thanksgiving. Mm -mm. Fall stuff gone. There was like one row of Halloween. Halloween's not until next week, and they were like, fuck it, those kids have their yeah, costumes. Yeah, and Tom Turkey, nowhere to be found. No. Nowhere. Like, nowhere. There was no cornucopia. No. There was no, like, harvest pumpkins. No, Already no ready for Christmas. You know what there Kringle. was, though? A lot of fucking glitter. Yeah. Everywhere. I hate Christmas because of the glitter. Because of the glitter. I love Christmas. I hate glitter. <laughs> I'm just saying. It, it, it. You can never get rid of it. You can't. You will it's be, always there. You will be vacuuming your floor on Easter, and you will get some of that Christmas glitter. It's always It's there. always there. It's so <laughs> funny. in the ass. Oh, man. Um, this one's kind of cool, though. Yeah, Apple has launched Apple Music TV. Mm. It's going to be a free 24-hour curated live stream 
of the popular music videos that will also include exclusive new music videos and premieres, special music video blocks, and live shows. So it's basically MTV. Right. What MTV used to be. Like 24-7 streaming of music. Yeah. This is fantastic because I was around for the launch of MTV. Yeah. And then horribly disappointed when MTV was no longer even music. Right. So I'm super excited about this. I mean, we love Apple Music. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously this is going to kick ass. It's interesting too because I'm wondering, like, is this a trying to compete with YouTube? Mm. Like, what if they make their own, like, video style platform that people can upload, like, their vlogs and, like, different type of tutorials and shit like that? Basically, YouTube. Like, Apple's trying to compete with everybody, so it wouldn't surprise me. No, not at all. Like, yeah, just interesting. And I guess this is a test run because it's only going to be available, we should say, in the U.S. Yeah. And you have to have Apple, the Apple Music app. Or the Apple TV app to be able to, to, to watch it. So we'll yeah. see. I, I'm excited for it. We'll keep an eye on it. I think it's going to be cool. Exactly. It's free. Exactly. So, I mean, you know. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. The time has come, guys. It, 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 it's like the, the movie pass of streamers. Yeah. Uh, um, Quibi. Yes. Done for. Done. Uh-uh. Short, floor, <laughs> short form mobile video startup uh, led by Jeffrey Katzenberg mm. and Meg Whitman shutting down after six months after its launch. Um, kudos to them, though, because they weren't like MoviePass and being shady. Yeah, no. So, like, no. but still, I mean, we saw this coming. We kind of predicted it. We were, we had high hopes. Yeah. I mean, go back to when it first launched. We had it. We were ready. We were down. But, yeah, I mean... It happens, man. It happens. They, and they just didn't think it was going to... No, no. And a, they tried to find a, bu- a find a buyer. Yeah. That didn't happen. So the only thing left was to shut down. I mean, uh, that's what we're hearing anyway. Our sources are telling us that the investors, you know, basically came to the board with, like, you need to either find a buyer and get this done or you need to just shelter it and shut it all yeah. down. And so that's what they did. Prior to that, though, here's the crazy part. They raised $1.75 billion in funding, and a lot of that, almost 90% of that, came from the big studios, the five majors, yeah. Disney, NBC Universal, Warner Media. So my question is, and by the way, you'll, you, if you have it December 1st, that's when it's going to disappear. So you got yeah. a, at least a couple months left to watch whatever you wanted to watch on Right. It. But uh, my question is, with that money funneled in, and now – uh, oddly enough, they funneled that money in, but they wouldn't buy that shit. So I'm just wondering if they they provided that 1.75 billion so that they could somehow now maybe claim access to the content, right? Because there was some good shit on there, there like was. you said, there was some good shit. So maybe they they take that and then turn it into long form content instead of the short form. And I mean, I don't know, but I don't see why you would toss 1.75 billion towards it and then not want to buy it. So I, I just I don't know. Agreed. It's very interesting to see because, I mean, people were fans of it, but then, like, I don't know, the business aspect of it and some content never got seen. Remember that superhero show from 50 Cent that was Mm. supposed to hit there? Yeah. That never even went into production. I saw an actor that was attached and going to play, like, the main superhero never went into production just because they didn't have the funding. And did Swimming with Sharks? That was one of the ones I was most excited about. I never saw that either. So, like, just... mm. I know. It sucks, man. It's super unfortunate, but it is the way it is. And, I mean, it's the nature of the beast. I mean, it is. Cut your losses and uh, try yeah. again. Move on. Yeah, Jeffrey's going to try again some way, somehow. 
And he'll likely fail. Yeah. <laughs> I, Sorry. No, no, putting it know, out there. Putting it out a, there. Yeah, read the Disney Touch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, yeah you'll yeah, know great. what I'm talking about. <laughs> but now it is time for our guest <laughs> segment, guys. We got the one and only Rich Manley coming on the show. We're so super thrilled, like we teased at the top of the show. Uh, first musician, a mood. Magician, why do I keep doing that? I don't know. And very, very much a family man. Like yes, so many stories about his family and why he went on this journey, this to be series journey, um, to go all around the world and learn each other's cultures through magic. So I think it's pretty badass. Yeah, and and he's the epitome of being in the right place at the right time to develop these contacts and these networks to to get where he wanted to be. Yep. I mean, when he tells that story, you'll see what we're talking about. So um, yeah, this is a good one though. I think for the up-and-comers, this is a really good one because, like I said, he his positive attitude and the way he went about things is, is something you could learn from. Completely agree, man. Completely agree. Well, here he is. Rich Manley, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Awesome. We're super excited to have you on the show, man. We're really interested in the series, for sure. Culture Shock, Bridging Cultures Through Magic. I mean, the, just the title gets people like, what? Right. Gotta, gotta, gotta watch this. Gotta figure this out. What is this all about? So, we're super pumped to talk about that, of course. Um, but what we like to do first at the beginning of the interviews is kind of introduce you to the listeners and, and kind of get a feel of who you are and how you got started in the industry. So, uh, I guess I'm going to do the chicken and egg here. What came first, your love for magic or acting? Uh... Well, um, I would say probably magic. Um, I started magic when I was 10 years old, and um, I, I kind of learned from my grandfather. He, he he showed me my first card trick. And then after that, kind of the acting thing came after it just as, as a byproduct of me performing for people. But I mean, back then when I was 10, it was just really mainly a comedy act because my magic was so bad, and I would do it for family functions and you know, Christmas and, and everybody would be like, oh, God, here's Rich uh, trying to perform his next card trick. But we'll watch it, you know. Um, but, you know, as the years went on, I got I got better and better. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, right? I mean, you, you would think so. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I think yeah. since the career has progressed, you've probably done pretty well. So so was it that, that feeling of being in front of a crowd that, you know, it was like, how can I expand on this? I really like this kind of a feeling or atmosphere that kind of led to the acting? Or did you fall into an acting class? Or how did you make the transition, I guess, from, from the magic well, to the act? Well, I, I kind of, and my mom can attest to this too, I, I was always creating characters around the house. So uh. I was kind of more of an introvert. I, I didn't really, I mean, I had like one or two friends, but I was big into dressing up as characters in the house. And so that's what I would do. And so I would put, like, put on these big magic shows for my family dress up as a magician and uh, dupe my brothers into being the assistants, which they never <laughs> wanted to be. And yeah. And so, and then, you know, the acting thing just kind of was, uh, yeah, it was just, I was very much just, I always watched movies and, and uh, I always kind of wanted to be the people on the screen. You know, I watched it and, and I had a wild imagination as a kid and I was like, Oh, I want to be Indiana Jones. I want to be, you know, and I, I love that sort of stuff, all the adventure stuff. So um, I guess that kind of led me into a lot of the adventures that I go on now. It's just that as a kid, I was always like, oh, I want to be these people that, you know, that travel the world and get into these adventures. And, you know, I just thought it was great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and you write also. So did you did you find yourself like writing these adventures and then be like, I could totally be in this. I can I, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, I, I was a weird kind of kid because I, I just I really just stuck to myself and I had this uh my grandmother I was really close with her she's still she's still around but um she was the the wife of my grandfather who taught me um uh the magic but 
she used to always say, you know, he's like Charles Dickens because I was always writing too. So I was either creating characters, doing magic for my family or, or writing. And then when I was, I think it was 15, I, I wrote a 300 page children's book. Uh, it wasn't really a children's book, but like a young adult's book about animals in the woods that talked and had adventures and, um, so yeah, I was I was always writing too. Wow, kind of a jack of all trades, man. Right, I mean, seriously, out here doing everything. Um, and I we also see that you can kick some ass. You're also a black belt in karate. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think honestly, a lot of it just came into to me to me having no friends and just, just being inside. <laughs> <laughs> and just just uh, wanting to do all these things and and develop these characters uh, on my own. So yeah, the the martial arts thing that came out of um, uh, I was watching you know kung fu movies during that time too. It's like around twelve years old, and um, I would see the Bruce Lee movies and then Jet Li and Jackie Chan, and I was like, oh, now I want to be that. So you know, uh, movies really, I think they really and TV kind of really pushed me toward oh, like what what I see is I want to be this person. Not real real that a lot of stuff, you know, I mean, it's, it's all make-believe, but, you know, as a kid, I'm watching and like, oh, I, I want to be that. So, um, yeah, the martial arts thing started with the Jet Li, Jackie Chan thing, and I got really, when I do something, I get really into it, and, and I, I do it 100%, so uh, even with the magic, I was practicing for hours a day, and then mm. Um, with the martial arts, I, I started around 13 and I started around uh, doing Kenpo Karate. Um, and then uh, oh, that was my alarm. <laughs> I don't <know> if you <laughs> that. But uh, <laughs> that was letting me know that I was going to be late for this uh, uh, appointment. If I, <laughs> um, but, uh, so, uh, yeah, so the martial arts thing, I, I started with the Kenpo Karate. Uh, I did that and I was doing that every night. I was training at a studio um, locally and then I started teaching and I got my black belt uh, in like three three years and I started teaching at that school. And then um, around 16, I took up Wing Chun Kung Fu in New York City. I went with my karate instructor. I started learning Wing Chun and then that's when I also saw the Shaolin Monks. I met this performance team that came over from uh, China and they were residing in Flushing, New York. And uh, I was really fascinated on how they moved because even though I did the Kempo Karate, it wasn't like Jackie Chan and Jet Li. And so I was like, okay, I like the Kempo Karate, but they're not moving the same way as these other guys. And then I realized, oh, well, because they're doing Kung Fu and it's a different style. Right. So I said, well, I, that's what I want to do. So I started training with the Shaolin Monks and uh, really got into that. And I trained with them up until around 19 years old. And, um, and I was doing it eight hours a day. I was telling that I was asking my mom to come outside the house and watch me do these forms and watch me bend spears with my neck. And she was terrified and thought I was going to kill myself. And <laughs> right. So, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of how that all happened. Wow. I mean, just listening to like your passion about all these different things, you're just not afraid to try things. And I mean, I feel like a lot of people who get involved in the entertainment industry, they kind of, they're scared. They get scared about trying new things, whether it be writing, directing, but you're doing it all, man. And I just, I love it. Yeah. And I got to ask, was there ever a point where you thought nine to five job or was it always because of the creativity and the need for the outlet to express yourself, especially? as an introvert was it always a i'm never doing a nine to five i right. gotta find a way to do this well uh yeah i mean well you know i, I broke out of the introvert thing i think after call when i got to college and then so i was more you know go, i mean i i still like my alone time i still like my my uh my space where i can create and develop um but then i also you know i had that other uh, performer side as well and I think 
for what what happened actually I, I just got sidetracked but what was the question again? <laughs> I, <laughs> I said did you ever did, introvert, extrovert. yeah did you ever yeah, see yourself in a in a nine to five was there a backup plan oh, yeah or or was okay. it always I'm gonna I'm gonna go into this career field um yeah so so that um I did I did have jobs I did the regular jobs I was working as a server and I did uh do uh, tricks and, and things for people uh, magic tricks and then I was a bartender and I did the same thing and um everywhere I went I actually was a worked on grounds crew um when in my teenage years too uh at a golf course mm. and for for me I don't know what it was I could never take anything seriously so uh, I think I was just living in a in my head wanting to create things so the reality to me was always just so funny when you could when i was creating things on paper and stories and so when i was working on the grounds crew i was always playing practical jokes on a, on a lot of the uh, <laughs> the older uh, individuals i mean i put a there was this one guy who was this crazy guy groundskeeper guy who um he he was the pesticide guy so he would spray the the um on the grass and the greens the pesticides and and he just didn't talk to many people he grumbled and he was always smoking in the in the break room and, and, and I, I'm pretty sure doing drugs. We don't know what was going on. <laughs> so, uh, so I caught a gardener snake and I knew he was afraid of snakes. And I, I put it in the seed bag, which he uses to, to seed the, the grass. And um, all of the other guys were waiting for him to go in the shed to get the bag. And he, he, he got it and he screamed, ran out. He was, he was pissed. And he just said, you know, who was this? I know who it was and he was looking for me, you know, but so I, I, I guess when it comes to the nine to five and, and even when I was serving as a, as a bartender, um, I was doing more magic tricks than serving people. Right. I just love to entertain. And so, um, they kept me on uh, the, the manager there said, look, Rich, you know, I, uh, otherwise I'd fire you because you're not really doing your job, but you bring <laughs> people in for the magic. He said, but you're not really a bartender because the other bartenders are upset at you because they have to fill your drinks while you're doing magic. And um, so I said, I was like, okay, well, in my head, I said to myself, okay, uh, obviously my path is entertaining people, um, doing magic. And and when the nine to five job came about in my head and I started thinking about that, I just, I knew I wouldn't survive, get fired from every job. I just, I know I would. So, yeah. so you do what a lot of did. You you took your skill sets and uh, appeared on a pilot, right? You, you started with stars, stunts, and action. Which and I guess yeah. from that point on, you were like, yeah. "Oh, I can do this. I I, I can. I have skill sets. I, I I love this. I I can make this transition, right?" Yeah, yeah, that was a big turning point. Yeah, yeah. So, what was it like? I mean, did did they utilize? Was it all about your karate skills, or did you did you do some magic stuff for the guys too, or what was that like? And where did you go from there? Um, it was just all about. It was about stunts um, and stuntmen in Hollywood. And I met the guy, the producer James Houston, who is now my co-host in Culture Shock. I met him when I was in college. Awesome. Because I went to college for uh, majoring in sports physical fitness, but I went there because you could minor in martial arts, which is really inter- interesting at this college at Bradford. So I went, I met him, and he was a, uh, he actually owned a gym, a martial arts school there. And he would go back and forth to LA shooting this this show, the star stunts in action. And he saw my martial arts abilities and I would do some seminars for him with the Wing Chun and the Shaolin. So he invited me to come and I, that's where I met so many contacts in the industry from the stunt world and, um, you know, the martial arts world. And so, yeah, so I, I demonstrated my Shaolin uh, techniques, my Wing Chun, and uh, I got to learn a lot about, you know, how they're portrayed in movies, which is very different. 
obviously than than how they're actually performed, you know, or used, I should say. So, right. No, it was a great experience. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of other great experiences, you started or was in uh, the Company Men with Ben Affleck, Chris Cooper, and Tommy Lee Jones. What was that like working with such huge names? Um, well, Ben Ben Affleck, uh, he I, I had more time with with Ben Affleck. Uh, he he's a very interesting guy. I mean, you know, he I mean he comes from Boston, just like me, and so um, he was easy to chat with. You know, easy to talk with. Um, you know, th- we had things in common because of the locations of where we went, and you know, we could talk about the Red Sox and and all of that. So you know, he was a he was a cool guy to be around. Very um, you know, very focused individual because when he even when he's directing uh you know his movies too he's just he's very uh very focused in in, in what he does and um so it was great it was great to chat with him i actually did a, a card trick for him too so he, he liked that there you go <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah. you got to impress yeah. if it's ben affleck you got to impress he, right yeah yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> and okay yeah. so so this is cool too because we mentioned that you were a writer so for uh, for anybody out there listening and looking up you you wrote a book and then the book was turned into a movie, right? And uh, James Conn yeah. and Lacey Shaber, I mean, come on, Lance Henriksen. That, that, that's an impressive mm-hmm. cast for, for a book that you wrote that gets turned into a movie, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was, a, that was an interesting experience. Um, so I wrote this book uh, called Acre Beyond the Rye, and it, it was really a long-winded screenplay. It was basically a screenplay I could never stop writing. So it was <laughs> like a 300-page screenplay, and I was like, oh, God, you know, I should just turn this into a book. So I wrote it like that first, and I went to a buddy of mine who was a book writer, and I said, um, Dan, his name was Dan, I said, Dan, can you can you like look at this this screenplay that I've written, and can we find a way to turn it into a book? Because I don't know if I have the energy to take this format and turn it into a book. And he's like, well, let me read it, and he did. And so he helped me work on getting it you know, in the right format, just changing some things. And so you know, we published the book, and then um, – after that, I uh, I'd always wanted to make it into a movie because that's really the premise of why I wrote it. Right. And so I started working at uh, Paramount uh, when I first got here to, uh, in L.A., which was about nine years ago um, when I first got here. And then I so I, I got uh, a job at a, for a company at Paramount doing script supervising and writing. And I would work on projects in my office uh, on and off, just like work on writing scripts. And I started writing Anchor Beyond the Rye uh, again so that it was in a in an actual watchable format and not 300-page epic <laughs> exactly. uh, movie. Yeah, and so we did that, and uh, I wrote it, and then I, I, I met a contact uh, of mine, started my own company after I left Paramount uh, with uh, my business partner who was an accountant, who actually is kind of – it's kind of funny because uh, meeting him was, was really a catalyst for a lot of other things. I was doing magic at a sushi restaurant, and these sushi chefs were just feeding me sake after sake shops. I was like, <laughs> you know, I don't know how much and, – and so they wanted to see more magic, and, you know, the whole restaurant was involved, and – so he comes over to me, uh, his name's Barry, and uh, he says, you, you know, I'm an accountant and uh, I uh, actually represent a few uh, magicians or actually they, they've hired me. And I said, oh, great. So, yeah, I do need my taxes done because uh, I'm terrible <laughs> at that. So um, so we, we became close friends and started a production company where he handles all the, you know, the money matters. And I use my contacts I've made just being in the industry and, and at Paramount and we collectively put together the uh, Acre Beyond the Rye. I, I, I called upon one of the producers over there I had met at Paramount to uh, get everything together, and he knew uh, Lacey and uh, James Kahn, and so we got it going. And, and working with James was was really interesting. I mean, over in Mississippi, we 
he, he he's a very uh, you know straight to the point guy. You yeah, know, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very very abrasive. Very, but but you know he knew his stuff. You know he wanted things done in a certain way. And when we were on set, if it wasn't done a certain way, you know he'd let everyone know. <laughs> so, I can totally see that. I can see it. Yeah. That's fantastic, um, though, man. Like, so many important things there because we have a lot of people that are up and comers trying to get into the industry. And I think a lot to take away from that is the importance of networking. Because even if you're doing magic tricks over sushi, you know, or you you never know who you're going to be around, who who you're going to connect with, um, and maintaining relationships. Like you said, you know, being able to establish those contacts and maintaining relationships at Paramount. So even where after you're gone from Paramount, you can go back and say, hey, I've got this idea or we can do this or we can do that so extremely important networking and, and building relationships out in LA yes yeah and and you know the the interesting thing is I always told James um who was my basically my very first contact slash friend in the industry that brought me with star stunts and action we talk a lot about this sort of thing you know and uh I always said to him and he used to say to me too he's like you know Rich the one great skill that you have in this industry when you're trying to network is your magic he said because Actors or anybody else that wants to break in the industry have it harder if they can't show their skill. Like, right. they can have a, uh, a demo reel, but then you've got to give that. But with magic, you can do it right there, right in front of everybody. They see it, and then they can see your skill, um, hopefully, if, you, if you're doing it good, well enough. <laughs> and, you know, um, and, and so it's just, it's basically like a, a business card right there that people are like, okay, I see, I see see the, the potential i see the skill it's right there it's entertaining everybody and it's it's a really good way to break the ice you mm. know i love yeah. that using it as a map because it's it's memorable no matter what no matter how, now after the meeting they're going to be talking about you so yeah you know it's all <laughs> that's what you want you want people to talk about you you know so yeah that's right. brilliant man that's brilliant right all right, well, let's talk yep. about it. The biggie, the series coming up on Tubi, Culture Shock, Bridging Cultures Through Magic. The whole premise sounds interesting. Traveling all over the place, sharing magic with different cultures and different people, and then in exchange learning from them. How did that come about? Where did the idea come from for that? And how? And talk about that, man, because this sounds exciting. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so that that really started with my grandfather. Um, like I said before earlier, he was the one that taught me magic when I was around 10 years old. And I was fascinated by him because he was a surgeon. And in the 40s, they taught surgeons uh, how to be better with their, their fingers. So they taught them sleight of hand so they have better finger dexterity. And he learned that. And he, um, he, he just he traveled the world trying to find better ways to improve his medicinal practice or his medical practice, I should say. And uh, he went to Tibet, learning um, healing rituals and meditation. He went to the Amazon, and he learned uh, herbal medicine and uh, deep in the Amazon to meet tribes. And he'd do magic for them, just as a side thing. And he, he also loved adventure, so he'd go kayaking, um, you know, on the East Coast or climbing up uh, uh, mountains in Switzerland and um, just all over. He, he was a climber, you know, skier, did all this stuff. And so I would, when I came over to my grandparents' house, I would always want to go into his study because I loved Indiana Jones and, and going in there was almost like Indiana Jones' dad. He kind of looked like <laughs> there you go. He wore the cap and everything. And I, I, I always wanted to touch and see all these things. He had mariners, uh, um, sextants and all these, these different uh, like old stuff that he had in this room. Awesome. And he kept this travel journal, which was all the places he went to and everything that he learned there. And 
So when he passed away, he actually left it to me, and I have the journal with me. And the, the show came about when I went to a tri- on a trip to Egypt with James, um, the star stunts in action um, producer that I had met that's my close friend. We went, and we went to this bazaar called Khan al-Khalili, which uh, was a famous bazaar in Egypt. And um, we went just as tourists because I, I loved Egypt, and I wanted to get some, some memorabilia. And we went in, and I was getting some, you know, trinkets and things like that. And everybody was heckling us, saying, oh, buy this, buy this, buy that. And I said to James, okay, you know what? This is a perfect opportunity for me to do some magic. So all of these people are around. And let's see what's going to happen. So I did a few tricks, and soon enough, everybody started conglomerating. I started doing things (laughs) for them, making things levitate. And I had all of the, the merchants come up to me circling around me and it was just i swear almost up to 70 people just around and afterwards yeah and afterwards they they were inviting me into their homes uh having tea with them and we were viewed in a very different way so james and i left and we went to our hotel room and we said okay so magic has an extreme potential to almost changed the viewpoint of people uh bridging that's why we called bridging cultures through magic because well, after I did the magic, I wasn't looked at as a tourist anymore. I was looked at as one of their, they even called me brothers. And they started sharing with me stories of, uh, you, you know, their, their family and of Egypt. And it was just very fascinating. So coming back to L.A., I, I started thinking about that. And I looked at my grandfather's travel journal and I said, okay, well, here's an idea for a show. Following my grandfather's travel journal, using these skills of magic, to travel to the places that he went to in my journal, doing magic for them. So that way I could basically bridge that, that gap of not, maybe not being able to understand their language or their culture um, because magic's universal. Absolutely. And so in doing that, yeah, in doing that, um, we, we, uh, we created this show where it's basically following that journal and learning what my grandfather did. Wow. I mean, talk about a specific or an epic way to honor your grandfather who obviously meant very much to you. And I mean, to do it in this way, that a way that he passed down basically to you with magic and yeah, to talk to so many different people about their cultures and their lifestyles, I can imagine like it took you everywhere and you experienced some very amazing things. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we did, and uh, we, there was events too um, where where we we got into trouble. Uh, oh no! Oh no! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. there's always some of that, right? Good trouble, hopefully, right? Good trouble. Good trouble. I'm glad we're still alive. There but you go. I mean, you know, so. <laughs> Always makes for interesting stories, though. I think I think that yeah. one thing this this show is going to do, though, which I'm really excited about, and we love to have people on like yourself to do this, is like you said, magic is universal, and you go to all these different cultures, and and you're sharing all these things, and you're bridging the gap. And I feel like it's important because these are the type projects that show. You know, humanity and mankind, we have so much more in common than we do apart. And and to have these shows and to bridge and to show people that, you know, people genuinely like each other. They they have, you know, this need to be with each other as opposed to all this hatred and all this, you know, stuff going down nowadays. To have shows like this and projects like that to show how humanity really is and how people really are, I think it's important. I I agree. I agree. And um, to me, it's a big... It's it's really about integration rather than one uh, one one c- culture being above or or below or anywhere 
in between another. It's about the show's about how we have our similarities with with one another. For instance, tribes in Africa who have um, their stories and their traditions and um, their beliefs on on creation and um, and God and, and all of these these. The, the stories they have, and then you go to the Andes in Peru, and they believe in um, uh, they call Mother Earth uh, Pachamama and Huacas, which Huacas are spirits that are that are within mountains, rivers, and all natural formations. And you know, there's just a lot of similarities that a lot, and even in um, American, uh, the United States with the uh, American Native uh, Native Americans, uh, they believe in in certain um, spirits being within. Uh, natural elements and natural formations. And so all of this, learning all the similarities, um, instead of everyone saying, well, this this is a better way of thinking, this is a better way of thinking, that's a better way. Everything is, is interrelated. And yeah. it's, the show is about showing how everything is related. Love that. You know? Yeah, seriously. Love that. I, yeah. I think people are really going to benefit from this. Of course, it's going to be hugely entertaining, but people are going to like possibly bridge the gap, like you said. I mean, to make people talk more of different cultures, try to experience different cultures mm-hmm. so they can have more of a understanding of everybody because I think that's what we need. We need to have more conversations and more understanding of where everybody's coming from, really. Right. And exactly. what better way to do that than magic? Exactly. I mean, you know, because like you said, it's a conversation starter. No matter what you're doing, magic will be a conversation starter, so it's brilliant. Now, this is going to be yep. on 2B. Uh, so for, if you guys have... um. Roku or Amazon Fire or you know Apple, you guys have access to it. Also on Vudu, um, you'll be able to to rent um, past episodes on Vudu, so it'll be on Vudu as well for you know renting. And now are you on social media? Where can people follow you? Uh, yeah, I am. All of my adventures are on uh, my uh, Instagram, which is Rich C Manly. It's R I C H, and then C for my uh, middle initial, and then I have my last name, Manly, which is M-A-N-L-E-Y. And awesome. uh, a lot of my adventures are, are on uh, a, a, my personal website, which you can see all the places I've traveled and different experiences and videos, and that's uh, expeditionrich.com. Fantastic. Yeah, seriously, man. Yeah. Um, one more thing before we let you go. We always like to have sure. our guests leave a little piece of advice for the up-and-comers trying to break into the entertainment industry, whichever aspect they're trying to break into, and what pitfalls would you say to try to avoid um well i say i always say that be ready for the pitfalls because no matter what you're going to fall into them but the thing is you need to have the persistence to climb out of them and keep going so i think that is the biggest lesson is that you knowing that you you may fall into a lot of pitfalls because the in, the in the, the uh, sorry the entertainment industry is so up and down and all over that you have to stay focused you have to follow what truly deep down is you as a person and not get lost into something else. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was magic. And I stuck to that. And I kept that person. And I didn't change. And I think if you follow your passion, you don't change. You fall into the pitfalls, but they're there. You climb out of them. You keep going. That's what you have to do. Mm, love that. I mean, the, the strong message there is you do not have to conform to be successful. You can stay true to right. yourself and still succeed. I love that, man. Listen, dude, yes. thanks so much for coming on the show. This has definitely been an interesting conversation and a lot of fun. And I think that I think you're going to see a lot of people watch the show. I think it's, it's going to be something that, that's really going to entertain and inform people, man. And we couldn't be more happy that you came on to talk to us. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, no, this was great. This was fun.
Absolutely, man. An open invite. Anytime you want to come back and, and talk or promote something or just hang out with us, dude, open invite, man. All right. Sounds good, guys. Well, you, you have fun over there, um, and uh, I'm going to try to avoid all the crazy fires and everything else here. On yes. The so good luck. <laughs> good luck, good luck man. man. All right. Take care now. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. So good. So good. And like I said in the interview, what a better way to – homage and pay honor to his grandfather who obviously like did mean a lot to him then like follow his travel journal and to go to all these places and to talk to all these people i think it's just great right right did you did you like me have a supernatural moment oh, it's yeah. like wait wait there's a journal and he's gonna follow the journal yeah. and go on these adventures it's like totally winchester but yeah <laughs> no um, but i do I, I i just love that you're right it's, it's a nice homage to his grandfather and, and what a way to we always talk about this start a conversation exactly show that we are more alike than we are apart and i, I mean good for him i think and i really do like like the end there where he said you don't have to conform just exactly. stay true to yourself and you can do it and exactly great stuff man completely agree thank you again rich manley for coming on the show all right guys now it is time for our top five segment we teased it a little bit earlier when we we're talking about all of those reboots mm. and revisited situations that yes. are happening in the entertainment industry uh this week it is top five tv shows you would actually like to see rebooted and or revived right um so it's kind of like a um revision like coming back into the story where they are now uh or completely rebooted with a new cast and or different storylines because i kind of have some of those as well yeah so yeah I mean, yeah, I, it's a nice mix. It's a nice mix. Yeah, so, but these are the ones because you hear us complain all the time about the reboots and remakes. Yeah, these are the ones we actually want. Right? <laughs> it's surprising, right? We actually do want some. You mean we found ten that we actually want? Yeah, we did. It, like, so here we go. Exactly. Exactly. Well, my number five. I'm taking it back to my childhood. Oh, and I mean dating myself a little bit, and I mean not by much, You're but dating, dating yourself. Don't, you don't uh, need to date I yourself. I mean, I'm. Aging myself a little bit, but not by much. Because Does Emily know this one? It would. I know, on? right? I like like uh, fairly odd parents. I feel like this would be a great one to either be rebooted and/or revisited in the sense that it could be a whole new kid. Because as a kid, like you think, oh, it'd be so amazing to have anything you ever wished for. But actually, it's kind of scary because you have certain limitations and uh, outcomes that if you wish for something, like of course you're gonna have cause and effect when it comes to something so i feel like that teaches kids on what's actually important in life and what's not actually important in life i mean you're basically grown up to believe that if you have money you're going to be happy and successful and blah 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 Mm -hmm. blah blah. but actually like it shows the more you do for others the more good that will happen to you so i feel like you know fairly odd parents is a good way to help kids realize that at a younger and earlier age and i'm Totally down with this. I was a huge fan of the cartoon as well, even though I'm older, and I really enjoyed it. Just a couple of things I'd like to add to that. Add. Keep it cartoon. Of course. Don't go don't live action and don't go with Drake Bell. Yeah, fuck that. that that's, that's all I'm saying. If you keep it cartoon and don't go live action with Drake Bell, I'm all in. Yeah. I'm all great. in. Now, my number five is one I was shocked you didn't have on the list because I thought for sure you would. So I was thrilled that I could put it on the list. There you go. Um, Entourage. Yes. I want this show back so bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, just like from the second I first saw it 
I was hooked. Yeah. I loved it. I've watched I can't even tell you how many times I've watched all the seasons over and over and over again. I loved the fucking movie. I love and I know they kind of wrapped everything up in the movie, but come on, there's so much more to tell. <laughs> so much more. Let, let, and I'm I want to make this clear. I want this revived, not rebooted. Yes. Bring back Vinny and the boys, bring back Ari, let's see where it's going and, and how it's going down. Um I just think it's brilliant. It's probably the most accurate interpretation of Hollywood and the industry and what does go on. The dark side, the good side, the perks, the you know, the 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 bad th- I just I really feel like it was the definitive explanation as to what happens in that town. Um and and being in that town and seeing it all, we we it's the most accurate version it of is. what goes on in that town. We can attest. So, um, yeah, Entourage. Just come on, Doug Allen. Bring it back, man. Bring it back. Agreed, Just man. Just say it. Agreed. Um, number four for me is kind of a reboot, not really a revive, because I think you would have to tell it completely different now in today's climate. Uh, Blue Mountain State, you know, mm. Spike TV's Blue Mountain State, you know, it's basically just a fucking whole huge college party show. That's it. It's great. It's absolutely great, but I think you could take it a step further. I'm a huge drama guy. I love it. I'm a thespian, all that good shit. So I feel like now you could uh, do it in the sense of covid and how that's mentally affecting yeah. these kids going to college like they basically worked more than our 12 years basically to get to college they're at their last final step and then oh fuck it's kind of basically taken away that experience that some people cherish for the rest of their lives so and i mean for those who are in college for like 12 years what? The what? Huh? what? I mean, really loved the experience. <laughs> and those who don't even get to experience that anymore, it sucks. But, um, yeah, I mean, of course you would deal with maybe even having a fucking party and that multiple people at the party test positive for COVID. Yeah, I just I mean, feel, like, feel like more accurate uh, interpretations of what's going on right now is very necessary because for the kids who are about to come up in this, this is what's going to be their future if there's not a cure or not a fix to the situation. So we need to educate ourselves on everything. And I feel like television, television is a great way to educate the peers and i've said that multiple times on the show so i'm sorry this is such an in-depth answer but i think it's no it's it's absolutely necessary and i agree with all of that i think it's one of those shows that could be made relevant right now and i mean you should do it um what's popular right now we know we know what's slamming we know what's kicking we know what everybody's trying to do right well i would like to see a show that was a bit before its time Mm -hmm. it was brilliant it it, it kind of hit just a little bit too early and it comes from the mastermind of the arrowverse greg berlanti like just barely just barely (laughs) missed it by just he was ahead of his time by a couple of years and i'm talking about no ordinary family that was on abc for a season okay this show was absolutely brilliant from berlanti yeah it was very fantastic for esque as in a family that gets superpowers and everything but the dynamic of how they interacted and what it meant to have these powers and what they had to learn and go through and how to be responsible with them and all these different things everything you come to expect from a berlanti superhero show for sure the problem is is that it hit a couple years too early i just thought it was brilliant it had the most incredible cast y'all okay julie benz michael chiklis k pambaker 
Autumn Reeser, Josh Stewart, Rami Malko, like all these huge names were on this show, okay? And they all were brilliant at you remember Josh Stewart in like the second season of Punisher, the yeah. bad guy? I mm-hmm. mean, like, he had like this epic storyline with like he was a good guy, bad guy, is he a good guy, bad guy kind of a thing, like this total creeper with Autumn's character, who was like the assistant to Julie Benz's character, like the wife, the main yeah. character, and she, by the way, was a cool superhero nerd, Autumn's character, she had a little Kitty Pride and, and I mean, Lockheed, so badass. You're talking about but, Autumn Reeser, correct? Yes, okay. and Chickless, <laughs> Chickless, Michael Chickless, as like the big strong guy, he had superpower, like super strength and everything. And Julie Benz could run at super speed, and and then the son had like he could see things. He had like a super brain, and he could like put together formulas and, and things like that. And then um, Kay could control the Earth, like Kay Panbaker's character could control the Earth. It was just really awesome. It was really awesome. It's a brilliant show. I've always thought it should have deserved another season. So, And now's the opportunity. You got the CW. You got HBO Max. You have you all really these do. different where, – where Berlanti's got to deal with every fucking network and streamer. So let, let's get it out there, Greg. Bring it back, yeah. man. I'd love to – I'm sure Chickless and all the gang would be down for it. Yeah. I'm just saying, bring it back. Bring it back. Agreed. Okay. Agreed. And shows that, speaking of shows that were way ahead of its time, and if this show was in the time of reboot, it would have definitely gotten rebooted or revised, especially with this epic cast. I'm talking about Freaks and Geeks. Oh, oh yes. my goodness. James Franco, Linda Cardellini, I mean, John Francis Daly, so many, Seth Rogen, uh, Jason Siegel, like... I mean, so many people, Busy Phillips, like, so many people were on this show, man, and it was so relevant, especially to the 90s, what was happening and how high school culture was in the Mm. 90s. And like I said, with Blue Mountain State, I feel like it'd be very important to show that, how high school is now. And yeah, so yeah, I, I freaks and geeks, man. Freaks I mean, and freaks. And, I, it's so funny that you say that because I feel like there were two like shows in the '90s that just absolutely nailed high school life in that era. Freaks yeah. and Geeks was definitely one of them, and then my so-called life. Mm. Uh, you know, I felt yeah. like those both just kind of, and I think any either one of those would be great. Like, yeah. to, to, but Busy Phillips was so good on Freaks and Geeks, and Linda Cardellini, of course, mm. uh, of course. I'm a huge fan of Linda Cardellini. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, let's move on. Number three for me kevin weissman you know i want you back i want you back jennifer garner victor garber i want them all back i'm talking about alias yeah did you know a little guy named bradley cooper got on that show he that like started guy. on that show you know yeah will he was will on alias yes just a brilliant absolutely epic spy show from jj abrams mm, mm-hmm. um and Bad Robot. And it was – you didn't know who was who, working for what. They were all confused. Well, you thought they were the CIA or SD6, but is SD6 actually the CIA? Is CIA actually SD6? Right. Who is a double agent? Who isn't a double agent? Are they Russian? Are they not Russian? What the fuck? It was brilliant. And you were like riding that roller coaster every single episode, every single week. I, I just – and Jennifer Garner, man. Yeah. I, I just – absolutely brilliant in that show. Um, just, yes, please, JJ. There's been rumors about it for years about mm-hmm. doing a reboot. Yeah. When Jennifer Garner did Peppermint, everybody's like, this is it. Like, oh, she, she still got it. She can still do it. And nothing yet. So JJ, Jennifer, Kevin, 
All you guys, Victor. Make it happen. All you make it happen. Bring back Alias. You know the fans want it. Definitely. They say it all the time. They want it. So let's make that happen. Definitely. Let's make that happen. Oh man, such a good show. Um, number two, number two for me is Netflix original The Ranch. Mm. I mean. I think solely, solely, because we talked about this at the top of the show, they should solely reboot it in the sense to just take away Danny Masterson's character <laughs> and fucking introduce Dax Shepard's character at the very beginning yes. and have that be the dynamic. There you go. I, th- I think that would fix everything. I think so, too. Yeah. I mean, if they would have started like that, then there wouldn't have been so much backlash when Dax's character was introduced after Danny's character left. And I just think it would be so good, man. So good. Because, I mean, they're character types not exactly they're the same character but their character attitudes and their character types are kind of the same so i feel like it would make sense um but yes for that reason alone reboot because i love ashton kutcher i love samuel elliott i love dax Shepard. jim beaver was on the show yes um fucking basically anybody and everybody who's affiliated with that 70s show came on the show as well so it's great it's really good agreed yeah <laughs> agreed uh, uh, yeah and who doesn't want Sam Elliott back on TV? Come exactly. On, come on. Come on. Okay. My number two, I loved this show. I absolutely loved it. And again, this is another one that they've been playing with me for years, years. saying it is, it isn't, it is, it isn't. Will it, won't it? I'm talking about Frasier. Mm. Kelsey Grammer, B.B. Newworth. I mean, I want Frasier and Lilith back. I want the whole gang back. Yeah. I thought the show was absolutely brilliant. You know, you got hints of the brilliance on Cheers, but when they spun that off, I don't think anybody saw the pure brilliance that became Frasier, yeah. you know, from Cheers. It was no. just all one of my all-time favorite series, and Kelsey Grammer and just David Hyde Pierce and all of them on there were just absolutely brilliant. Um and they keep teasing this. This is one that they keep talking about. Kelsey Grammer wants to do it. Apparently, everybody wants to do it. So I guess that they keep saying they're trying to work a deal. They're close to a deal. They're doing this. They're doing that. Just make it happen because people want this show back. Agreed. And uh, I, I mean, I want to see where where it's at. You guys all remember how it ended. I want to see where it's at after that. I mean, come on. This one's like Frazier. It's not asking Frasier. a lot. It's yeah. not asking a lot. It's a guaranteed hit. Do it. Just exactly. do it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, my number one is kind of renewed, basically, because mm. it was canceled after the first season because don't change the story at all because it was growing great places and had a great cast. So don't replace them at all either. Don't do it. I'm talking about the last the last tycoon, mm. Amazon original, our buddy Billy Ray. Oh my goodness. Like this show was so great. It was so freaking great. And I mean, speaking of Kelsey Grammer. Yes. And Matt Bomber, our boomer, like fucking it's Lily uh Collins. Collins. Yep. Yeah. Just it's so good. So good. Like, and Flashdance herself. Yeah. Jennifer Beals. Yeah, she, was in it. <laughs> she was in it. You know? Bring this one back. It, it, it's much like Entourage, but on the other side, it was like the epitome of the studio system yeah. in the golden age of Hollywood. And Billy Ray just fucking nailed it. He did. The casting was perfect. The writing was perfect. The visuals were perfect. I mean, 
Lily Collins, Celia Brady, holy shit. Yeah. He teased us in his interview that he was working on a, a spinoff of it with a certain character. Mm. I we I don't know, but I Him, hope it's yeah. Celia Brady and I hope it's Lily Collins and we can go back and address that again. We know Monroe dies. Yeah. That we know that. So no matter how good the seasons go, inevitably that's going to happen. So that means it's either Pat or Celia, and I feel like Celia is the young. Yeah. All right. Come on, Billy. <laughs> Amazon's playing the game now. Sulky's there. The old guard is gone. Let's go back. Come on, we, bro. <laughs> we know they got money. Yeah. So if it was a budget problem, that ain't the problem no more. Exactly. Like, get Lily. Get the gang back. Let's do this. It would be so good. I'm so glad you put it on the list. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, that was one I thought was going to be on my list because you hear me all the time yeah. talking about it. And I thought for sure he would have Entourage. But, you know, there you go. A little flip flop. Yeah, a little flip flop. <laughs> yeah, it's so good, man. So good. But now heading over to the box office recap. Uh, some interesting things, man. Some interesting things. Uh, number five was Hocus Pocus. It's been on the list a while. It has uh, been. I'm going to watch it on Disney Plus tonight. It came in at number five with 750,000. Uh, number four was a night. Nightmare Before Christmas with mm. one point two million. Number three was Tenet with one point three million. Okay. Uh, number two was The War with Grandpa, that Bobby De Niro film with two point five yes. million. Yes. And number one was Honest Thief with three point seven million. Oh, yeah. Oh. Liam Neeson, Kate Walsh, uh, basically taken. You know, uh, he's got a particular set of skills. Yeah. At some point, he was on the phone, and he's coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> Liam Neeson. Every movie is the same. But they all work. They all I work. mean, congratulations, Liam. You got it. You're like, like he's like the Adam Sandler of drama, though. right? <laughs> he's, <laughs> you know, he's it making just, it happen. Man. He's making it happen. That's so it. freaking funny. Uh, new movies that are coming out are After We Collided, mm. uh, Borat. Uh, the movie it's going to be it's the second one and it's going to be on Amazon Prime as well. Yes. Uh, the Empty Man, uh, What? Yep. Synchronic. Synchronic and Friendsgiving. Yeah. So I'm guessing that's basically all of the Friends Thanksgiving. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, um, but yeah, yeah. I actually uh, was watching GMA this morning and they interviewed uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and apparently he dressed up like Donald Trump and got into oh. a Mike Pence event. Like, yeah, a Mike Pence rally, and, like, nobody knew until he made a fool of himself. And Secret Service escorted him out, but never asked for his identification. Ugh. That right there. This is the vice president of the United States. This guy was making an ass of himself, like... And then you don't even ask for his identification mm-hmm. to, like, put him on the blacklist. Like, what? How does that not make sense? I know. And that- then also, I guess, um, the girl who stars in the film uh, played, like, a reporter character with uh, and with Giuliani, Trump's lawyer. Oh. Yeah, and apparently he, like, did something with his belt that seemed kind of risque and... So I'm just going to have to watch the film just for these two scenes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Borat. I'm not I, did, I didn't like the first one. I'll be honest. I know maybe I'll take some heat for that, but I, I just didn't. But I got to tell you, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen impressed the shit out of me with the trial of the Chicago 7. Yeah. So, like, guys, definitely check that out. He, I think he really, really shows his acting skills in that film. Whether it's Sorkin's dialogue or Sorkin's direction or just the brilliant talent of Sasha, uh, it's great. Yeah. So, Borat. But – Trial Chicago yeah. 7. I'm going to watch the two scenes. I'm going to watch the two scenes. There you go. Um, I mean, that, that's, you know. Movies you can still go see. Two Hearts, uh, New Mutants. Two. 
Unhinged, uh, Love and Monsters, and The Kid Detective, like uh, any theater that may or may not be open near you. Sure, um, sure. Two of Hearts, an old 80s song from uh, Stacey Q. Oh, yeah. yeah showing my age again. Yeah, showing yeah, my it's age. Fine. It's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I showed mine with Fair the Odd Parents. It's all good. Um, now heading over to IMDb Pro Top Trending segment. Oh, man, you guys know we love this app. We do. It's literally, literally freaking what we wake up to in the morning. What we go to oh, bed oh, to don't, don't go to the shower what, again. Don't go, don't. What we shower with in the middle of the day. It's so great. It, it comes with a soap app. It, it it's does. fantastic. It I does. Mean. It's the best smelling soap you've ever smelt. Um, but anyway, the top trending movie this week is still Hoobie Halloween. Hoobie. Adam Sandler's. Uh, yeah. He brought the gang back together. Kevin Smith, or Kevin, what's his face from uh, uh, King of Queens is in it. Yes, uh, Kevin James. Kevin James. There you go. And, uh, you know, a bunch of other people. Uh, top trending t- uh, TV show is The Haunting Bi- of Bile Manor. Man, I he- have heard all kinds of things about this. It's I heard everywhere. Yeah. And, I-, I mean, I'm definitely interested in seeing it. Definitely. For sure. Definitely. Netflix is doing great things, especially with uh, uh, Halloween being right around the corner. Yes. And uh, Victoria Pedretti. Pedretti. Petter, Pet, yeah. you're not. Pedretti? Pedretti. Pedretti. Uh, Victoria Pedretti. Yes. I was just seeing, like, uh, you yeah. Know. <laughs> How many times do we go? Uh, she's a chop turning star because she's in the, the, the TV. Yeah, yeah, she's in the TV show. Yeah. So, congratulations to her. She's rocking and rolling. Uh, but, congratulations to you guys because you got through this crazy ass episode. Yes. Uh, we got to thank our guest one more time, Rich Manley, for coming on the show and getting a little crazy with us. Uh, absolute pleasure, man. Uh, be sure to follow him on social media. We'll be sure to put handles everywhere yes. on our platform to be sure to follow us on social media first at itcap podcast and of course the company at crazy ant media and of course you can follow us both personally all over social media myself jlo fantastic and crazy ant guy 1970 that's right that's right and of course you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast anchor apple podcast spotify google play music iheart radio podbean stitcher and so much more and of course you guys know we have a youtube channel channel be sure to head over there and like this video subscribe ring that bell for the latest notifications for our crazy videos that we yes. are going to be posting in the future you will not regret it guys and then of course before we go away be sure to visit our website www.crazyantmedia.com to make sure you pick up the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We do have some Black Friday sales coming up, and we do have some other sales coming up. Uh, new designs are selling like crazy while supplies last. Yes. So we appreciate everybody for that. But honestly, this has been a great show, man. This has been a really good show. Um, the superhero stuff is awesome. I'm super excited for uh, Static Shock. Yeah, that's going to be a really exciting one with Michael B. Jordan. So you got Raising D on Static Shock. He's just killing it in Super oh, Hero Market. Yeah. So Doing, doing really well, doing really well. Um, yeah, and then, of course, excited about what we're going to see or not see. There's all kinds of stuff going on about uh, from Warner Media about, yeah. you know, the superhero stuff. So that's exciting, too. And then, um, I, you know, I was really happy about the news of what was coming out of uh, Disney. Yeah. And, and, like, you know, they seem to be on the path of recovery, if you will. We don't know when they're going to open or not open, but they've got a plan. They're putting it in place. Like, I mean, we always knew the Mouse House was going to get it together. Yeah. You know, so I was excited to hear about that. And, of course, you know, always our interviews. Of course. Always so good. Always so good. And, of course, be sure to go out and go vote. 
getting there, man. Vote yes. early, vote however you feel comfortable. Home by mail, uh, all that good stuff. But be sure to go vote. Do it. So good, so good. I'm sure the um, I'm sure she's already voted, but I, I mean, she probably she is, yeah. like voted at home, like on her white, yellow, white couch, not yellow couch. <laughs> uh, but she's great. You all know the only O that matters. Oprah. Oprah!